And although Mars sent a message to us several times saying that it's jet lags, just wants to sit for class. Uh, we're not having class tonight. We're just sitting up here and chatting. <laughs> so if it would be really nice if you could come up and sit here. We'll move the chair up and then we're just going to chat. Bhagavad Ashraya Prabhu and I yesterday had a, just a conversation going on on some philosophical points and we'd trade around not a class just a kind of discussion Mars is into it I can tell okay so somebody bring the chair and he can go right here inconveniences regret it is it okay he wants to just sit there he wants to just sit he just wants to sit he wants to just sit okay it just you want just, yeah he just wants to sit. one has to do one's due diligence and may I have the clicker? Did you get the uh, slideshow? So first I'll ask Bhagavad Ashraya Prabhu to say an invocation prayer in English, just of any kind, some kind of prayer to start us off. Start us off. Um, and some, yeah, if you could keep that like two inches from you. That About two inches from my voice. What? I sent you a slideshow on WhatsApp. And I need the clicker for it when you get a chance. You do this stuff, I can't do it. Dear Srila Prabhupada, dear Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Shishi Panchatapha, Shishi Gornitai, Shishi Radha Madan Mohan, Shishi Lakshmana Shringadev. If you so desire, please bless us in this assembly so that we may glorify you for your pleasure and we may thereby be engaged in your eternal devotional service. Thank you for considering our request. Om Tat Sat. Hare, Hare Krishna. Krishna. Taking up from our conversation yesterday, we were discussing a few points. And today, I thought I'd bring up a few more points. Uh, one of them is, uh, what is karma? And it's a perennially fascinating topic. In fact, people everywhere have heard the word karma. And inevitably, whenever I meet people, in public and ask them, what does karma mean to you? What do you think 90% say? What goes around comes around, which is a fairly uh, accurate description. But to, we'd like to ask Bhagavad Ashraya Prabhu to give some thoughts just to start off about karma from any side of the issue you wish. Hmm. Well, the first thing about karma that we need to understand is that all karma is temporary, that we live in a temporary world and there is no such thing as karma in the spiritual world. Uh, in the spiritual world, uh, there, well, there is reaction to your activities, but everything is positive. The, the reaction to your activities in the spiritual world is, is uh, ever-increasing bliss. Whereas in the material world, this is... a a place, a temporary place full of miseries. And uh, all of the miseries come because of our interaction with the three modes of material nature. And within all of that, we have what are called the laws of karma. Uh, very intricate laws, very, very detailed and intricate laws of how there is a reaction to every action. Uh, knowingly or unknowingly, you do something in the material world, you get a reaction for it. And that reaction 
is binding you into the repetition of birth, death, disease, and old age within the 8,400,000 species in the material world. Mm. And the only way that this can be stopped, the only way that this can be stopped is by coming into pure devotional service to the Lord. As soon as one enters into devotional service to the Lord, you still have to act in the world, but you act for the pleasure of Krishna, and for that there is no material reaction. You become liberated by your actions, whereas every action without Krishna consciousness is an action which causes you to become more and more bound up in the miseries of the material world. How's that for a beginning? It's really good. We, I think we rolling? the subject matter completely. We can go back to Kirtan. Uh, who would like to give a, a reflection or a question to expand the conversation? Yes, Kameshwari and then Sri Vaspanda Prabhu. Please activate the green mic. Hare Krishna. Yeah. So, um, I just, uh, I saw that picture and um, I remembered one time on book distribution. Uh, so, how our taught her, you know, we asked him how, do you know, do you heard about karma? And then the person said yes. And he said that uh, the karma is a, it's like an arrow we shoot in the space and it goes around and is, it takes its own time, but in a timely manner it comes back to us and it's gonna hit us. So that's what I think of karma. And uh, he says that I always uh, like to think like that. So I am uh, conscious of what I do. I just remembered that and I thought- That's what the passerby said. Yes, that's what the, the passerby said. Mm. Yeah. A lot of philosophers, I mean, they're all living entities. They have some, clear idea that something's going on here in the world. That's a profound idea people have that it comes back to you, whatever you do. It's a really good way of putting it. Thank you. Srivas Pandit Prabhu. I, I remember years ago I saw a, a movie, there was a, a, it was about people working out relationships within a family and there were grudges and so forth being held from the past and people were trying to get on with their lives. And there was this recurring line that kept saying, that this one man kept saying, you might think you're done with the past, but the past is not done with you. <laughs> yeah. Srivas Prabhu. That's a good one, thank you. So, ISKCON as a community has been moving away from temple-based to congregation-based, um, which means that how fearful should one be of karma, especially in the job and other quote-unquote non-devotional aspect? Should, should you be very, very conscious and live fearfully, you know, being aware of karma? Or, you know, as a Krishna conscious devotee working outside, how much should um, one be aware and what should be one's attitude towards karma? Let's put it that way. 
I mean, a lot of people come up and say to me that, should I be a pushover at office in the name of humility, or should I just suffer or suppress my desires in the name of karma? So there is a lot of confusion on the right attitude towards the concept of karma for a, a, a congregation-based devotee who work outside. So if you can clear your thoughts, that would be really useful. Thank you. Are you talking to me? <laughs> okay. Can you restate the question in one sentence, please? How aware or fearful should one be of karma while going about doing one's daily duties, both materially and spiritually? Thank you. Like on a scale of one to 10? 10 being the most afraid? There's nothing wrong with fear in this 10th canto, second chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, we find that Devaki is afraid of Kamsa. And we just saw the play. Right before you came, Maharaj, we had a, and Bhagavad Ashray Prabhu, we, we had a drama. It was really good. The kids did it. And it was about Kamsa, uh, all the way up to the uh, Kamsa's getting killed. And in that pastime in the Srimad Bhagavatam, as you know well, there's a, a commentary, a running commentary about fear and how Devaki was afraid of Kamsa. And Prabhupada, following the commentary of the Acharya, says that this fear burns up our attachment to the material world as represented by the Shadgarbha Asuras. The, as most of you know, there was six children born before we had uh, Baladev who got switched, and then we have uh, Durgadevi appearing in the prison, but Krishna had taken birth as the eighth son. Then the first six actually were representative of Kam, Krod, Lob, Mada, Moha, and Matsarya. And it was already destined that they would be killed, but carrying that incident forward, uh, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur explains how by being afraid, of the material nature, one burns up these bad tendencies that are naturally there. And Prahlad Maharaj says it in his prayers to Lord Nishingadev that the whole world's afraid of you. In fact, he says the elephants are running away by hearing the roaring that's coming from you. And he said, but I'm not afraid of that. What I'm afraid of is Vishnu Maya. Because he says at any time, I can get caught back up again and dragged away. So f uh, just as a start to that conversation and the answer to it, fear is not necessarily bad. One shouldn't become neurotic, of course. And we have to move about in the world. But I heard, and I'm yet to verify, but somebody told me that Prabhupada said that probably my disciples are not afraid enough of Maya. Over to you, Bhagavad Ashraya Prabhu. For me, it gets down to what are you thinking about? Because Krishna repeats in the Bhagavad Gita, just think of me in two important verses, 934 and 
And Krishna is describing how, how we're propelling ourselves, basically. So in the next verse, 8-7, he says, Tasman, therefore, sarveshu kaleshu, at all times. Therefore, at all times and in all places, mamanusmara yujita, go on remembering me. And mayarpita, uh, and mam anusmara yudhicha, yudhya means to fight. So obviously, he's talking to Arjuna, he's talking to all of us. You have to fight, you have to work, you have to. It's a, it's a struggle to maintain in the material world. Jiva, jiva, jivanam. My arpita mano bhutir, so unto me, arpita, surrender everything, and mana, keep your mind, buddhi, intelligence, engaged in me. Mami vaishyasya samshaya, then without a doubt, you'll be able to attain me. Now, the purport is especially important, but we'll read the translation. Therefore, Arjuna, you should always think of me in the form of Krishna, at the same time, carry out your prescribed duty of fighting. With your activities dedicated to me and your mind and intelligence fixed on me, you will attain me without doubt. Short purport, right to the point. This instruction to Arjuna is very important for all men engaged in material activities. The Lord does not say that one should give up his prescribed duties or engagements. One can continue them and, on the and at the same time think of Krishna by chanting, Krishna. Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. This will free one from material contamination and engage the mind and intelligence in Krishna. By chanting Krishna's names, one will be forced, one will be transferred to the supreme planet, hopefully forced also, <laughs> Krishna Loka without a doubt. And there's another concept I just want to add to this, and that is, Although we have to have a healthy fear, and we should definitely fortify ourselves, when we are fortified by the, the continuous chanting of Hare Krishna, which to those who are engaged in, in activities for maintenance where you have to put your attention elsewhere from time to time or most of the day, then our acharyas say that that word or the concept of doing it always means at least once a day. You can't skip a day and let the trail go cold. And if one is absorbed in chanting Hare Krishna, as we all know, there are immediate concomitant benefits as mentioned in various verses like Vasudeva Bhagavati, Janayat Yashivairagyam, and in this verse, Sutta Goswami says that just by doing direct activities of devotional service, then one naturally gets jnana, knowledge, which means to be aware that we're not our bodies. That's, that's a gift. Nobody has that. Everyone thinks I'm my body. Everybody. Mm. Squirrels, dogs, people, presidents, everybody. It's great scholars in the universities they all think I'm my body. I'm an American. I'm, a, I'm Swiss and so forth. And then jnana and vairagya, and you also have this sense that uh, you have a power you didn't have before to restrain your senses. And also, bhakti parishanu bhava virakta anya traisha trika eka kala prapadya manasya yatashnata sus tushti pushti shudapayonugasam, which means that 
bhakti or performing devotional service, directly engaging in Krishna service by chanting Hare Krishna is compared to the eating process. When you're hungry and you eat a really good meal, you feel nourishment, satisfaction, and your hunger goes away. And similarly, when you do devotional service, then you feel bhakti, uh, a sense of devotion to Krishna, anubhava, you see Krishna for yourself in everything. And most importantly, for, for um, many who are working in the world, then you have this sense of, of vairagya, bhakti parishanu bhava virakti anyata traisha trika eka kala, and all of these come simultaneously, all these three, from chanting Hare Krishna. So I'm, I'd like to concur with my esteemed God brother, associate, Bhagavad Ashaya Prabhu, that this is the key. It's to remember Krishna, and then Prabhupada directly says here, that means chant Hare Krishna. But no, you can't do it otherwise. You otherwise it's not possible. You can't remember Krishna without chanting Hare Krishna. You can't do that. It's essential, definitely. Pavani Bhakti has a question or a comment to further the conversation. Yes. And we're still on slide one. Thank you, Maharaj. I just want to expand on Srivas Pandit Prabhu's question, um, especially with respect to karma and devotees, how they have to talk, think about karma. There's a lot, like before I came to, uh, before I got initiated, I was believing in a lot of like, um, rings like uh, groovy or sapphire and you know something will happen to you so you will uh, that will help you to avoid that situation that is going to happen you because of karma and but after I got initiated I was told like yeah all your karma is taken by your Guru Maharaj and then you know you need to just be equanimous in all situations so at the same time, I also keep hearing, oh, but you, are, you should be smart enough. Like if there's going to be rain, you take an umbrella. So you wear that ring also. So that is very confusing. Like as devotees, how should we think of these things? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Well, you can really get stuck on the mental platform about this stuff. Um, the, re the reality is, if you surrender to Krishna, there is no more karma. Uh, there's a beautiful purport. Could we get the purport up to uh, 256? Anyway, just while we're waiting. Oh, we're going to have to wait. Here we are. So, uh, we'll get the verse. Get the verse. The verse says, Dukeshvanu uh, dvignamana. Sukeshu Vikata Spriha Vita Raga Bayakroda Sita Dir Muni Uchyate. One who is not disturbed in mind even amidst the threefold miseries, or elated when there is happiness, and who is free from attachment, fear, and anger, is called a sage of steady mind. So we start with a really nice piece of humor here from Prabhupada. Listen to this. The word Muni means one who can agitate his mind in various ways for mental speculation without coming to a factual conclusion. That includes, that covers basically the whole of academia. <laughs> then it is said that every Muni has a different angle of vision. And unless a Muni differs from other Munis, he cannot be called a Muni in the strict sense of the word. 
I always get a laugh out of that every time I read it. Nashav Rishir Yasya Matam Na Binam Mahabharat Vanapava 3.13.117. But a stita dear muni, as mentioned herein by the Lord, is different from an ordinary muni. The Stita Diyamuni is always in Krishna consciousness, for he has exhausted all his business of creative speculation. He is called Prashanta Nishesha Manoratantara, Stotra Ratna 43, or one who has surpassed the stage of mental speculations and has come to the conclusion, conclusion, that Lord Sri Krishna or Vasudeva is everything. Vasudeva Savamiti Samahatma Sudurabha. He is called a Muni fixed in mind. Such a fully, fully Krishna conscious person is not at all disturbed by the onslaughts of the threefold end of the page. Threefold miseries, for he accepts all miseries as the mercy of the Lord, thinking himself only worthy of more trouble due to his past misdeeds. And he sees that his miseries, by the grace of the Lord, are minimized to the lowest. Similarly, when he is happy, he gives credit to the Lord, thinking himself unworthy of the happiness. He realizes that it is due only to the Lord's grace that he is in such a comfortable condition and able to render better service to the Lord. And for the service of the Lord, he is always daring and active, and is not influenced by attachment or aversion. Attachment means accepting things for one's own sense gratification, and detachment is the absence of such sensual attachment. But one fixed in Krishna consciousness has neither attachment nor detachment because his life is dedicated in the service of the Lord. Consequently, he is not at all angry, even when his attempts are unsuccessful. Success or no success, a Krishna-conscious person is always steady in his determination. Yes? Krishna Prabhupada nails it every time. Yes? I think an another thing, though, in terms of the fear you're talking about, that I think we need to look a little bit deeper into the point that Vaisheshika Prabhu has made is very valid. But I think uh, <clears throat> we are materially conditioned and our fear is always the fear of losing it all. The fear of death, actually. Fear of, but, and, and you consider life, the way our lives are run in, in the materialistic society, it's all about the future. You, you, right from the moment you're learning to read and write, it's about the future. Through primary, secondary, tertiary education, into the working world, into your own family life and so on, it's all about the future. But within that future, you don't know where, you don't know when, and you don't know how, you're going to meet death. And there's no, you can't make a deal. There's no negotiating with death. And nobody builds it into their agenda. I mean, every, everybody's got these little, we've got these handheld devices now. 
and you, you can ask anybody, what are you doing on such and such a day? And they can say, oh, well, yeah, and then they'll tell you. <clears throat> so you say, you, you say to somebody, well, I'd like to make an appointment with you on the 26th of May at 3.30 p.m. And they look and say, I'm sorry, I'm dying then. <laughs> it's not in your agenda. It's not, but it's there. The thing one has to learn to live with in life, whether you're a devotee or not, is at any moment death will come. <clears throat> and if you're too much absorbed in your material activities, you're in big trouble, according to those verses from the eighth chapter. There's a very nice story in this regard about, it's called the Merchant of Baghdad. Does anybody know this story? Somebody said yes? No, anyway. The merchant of Baghdad, very wealthy man, very well situated in the, in the community. He sent his servant to the market early one morning to get some household goods. And he was just waiting around, doing a little bit of work in, in his business. And all of a sudden, his servant was back in an in, in, in inordinate short time. And he was white as a ghost, and wide-eyed and like sh shaking in fear, and, and, and he said, what's the matter, what's the matter? He said, I just saw death in the marketplace. He, he turned around and, and I was staring him in the face. I know he's come to get me. So the, the, the businessman, he was a can-do person, he said, all right, all right, let's deal with this. Uh, you take the fastest horse, my horse, the best horse in the stables, and you ride to Samara, and you go to my brother's house in Samara. You'll get there by afternoon. You'll be safe there. Don't worry. So off he goes. And then the, the, the merchant's like, well, this is, this is no good. I'm, I, I sent this man to the market to get things from my house. So when he comes back in this state, I've had to send him away. I've lost my servant. I've lost my best horse, and I don't have what I needed. So he's very annoyed. He said, well, I'll go and get it myself. And he goes down to the market. And he's walking through the market, buying his things, and he sees death. But death's got his back to him. But he gets angry. Immediately he gets angry. And he, he comes up and he, turn, he turns in front of death and he's saying, now look here, what do you think you're doing? You completely disturbed my household today. And death is just looking at him very calmly and says, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I, I've lost my best servant now. You, you, you've scared the wits out of him. I, had to send him away. And death is very calm and he says to him, well, yes, actually, I was just as surprised to see him here as he was to see me because I have an appointment with him this afternoon in Samara. <laughs> but I do have an appointment with you now. So there it is. <laughs> there you have it. There, there you have it. I'll expend a little more on fear as well. Could you turn the Zoom back on in case there's other devotees up there? I'd like to see them. There's a way in which as we do chant Hare Krishna every day and we integrate ourselves with the world, we're working and we're experiencing the 
tribulations of doing that, we get an integrated realization of Krishna consciousness. It's never recommended. In fact, one of the main themes of the Bhagavad Gita is that one shouldn't give up one's duty. That even though it looks unfavorable or seems to have some fault, Krishna says, well, everything has fault just as fire has smoke. You can't abandon your duty. It's in the mode of passion. You won't get the result you were looking for anyway. So you have to tolerate that and keep going. And the Sri Shapanishad says, Vidyam cha vidyam cha yas, tadvedo bayam saha, avidya yam ratum tirtva, vidya yam ratum ashnute. Only one who can learn the process of nascience and that of transcendental knowledge side by side can transcend the influence of repeated birth and death and enjoy the full blessings of immortality. And the implication of this is that, as Prabhupada describes in the purport, you have to work anyway. It's not that you can give it up and go hide somewhere. However, if you're chanting Hare Krishna, then the experiences, experiences that you have as you're working in the world and finding inevitable where they find you, reversals of fortune, and undergoing the, the stress of just being in the world, you become more observant about how the energies are actually working. And that integrated experience, seeing the spiritual energy and Krishna's external energy simultaneously in your life makes you complete and whole and able to negotiate the world and to come to the level of enlightened engagement with it. And so although we should be, we should have a modicum of fear, uh, at least that's healthy as per what Bhagavad Ashraya Prabhu said, normally I'm just afraid of losing what I have. But if we can develop a sense that I don't want to lose the association of devotees. There's this reply by uh, Ramananda Roy to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, what's the worst that can happen in the world? And that is losing the association of devotees. Mm -hmm. And so we, we could develop that, at least theoretically, rather than the fear of just losing what we have, fear of losing one's service, of, uh, losing one's attachment to the holy name and so forth. We can become fearful about those things. And meanwhile, it's our experience that all of ours together, that as we're meeting like this several times a week, we're going on with our devotional service. And at the same time, and I don't know how all of you do it, it's super, superhuman. I think of all of you as superhuman. Mm. You're doing these jobs, you're raising families, all at the same time. You're doing devotional service, practically peerless. And so what you're getting overall is a very complete realization because juxtaposed with your realization of how nice Krishna consciousness is and that you're not your body and so forth, then isn't it when you go outside and you see how blatantly ignorant everyone is of the actual situation in life and as Bhagavad Shai Prabhu was pointing out people uh, don't even give it a thought then that juxtaposition gives us even a stronger realization of how important it is okay a couple more points 
Yes, is that Sadhu? Okay, Sadhu Vrindavan in the back, please get him a mic. Does he have one? Hmm. Hare Krishna Prabhu, please accept my humble obeisance. It's all Krishna Srila Prabhupada. In the beginning of the class, Bhagavata Asherapa was talking about um, how we should do devotional service with the desire to please the Lord. And by that, you know, you, you won't get any karmic reactions. So my question was, um, at least for me, you know, sometimes I do devotional service with other intentions rather than um, pleasing the Lord. So how do I set my mind um, by default that, you know, I should do service to please the Lord or when I do service, I should please the Lord? Because you always say, you always quote the verse, Anya Bilashitam Shundiyam Gyana Karma Dhyanavitam um, which basically means that we should do devotional service to please the Lord. So how do I set my mind in a way that by default when I do a, a service, I do it to only please the Lord? You're the one who always quotes that verse. <laughs> Is he? He quotes a lot of verses. Yeah? Bhagavad Ashraya Prabhu, over to you. You, you quote a lot of verses? A lot of verses, a lot of You know of a lot of verses? Not that many. Not that many. Do you know 1322? No, no, no. Maybe we could have a look at 1322 just quickly. Um, this, it, it, these short purports, uh, I mean, all of purport, Srila Prabhupada's purports are wonderful, but you meet these little one and two paragraph purports. Everyone, please move up by 7.2 inches. Purusha Prakriti You can come onto the infield here. There we go. In case we lay a bun. Okay. Purusha Prakriti Stohi Bunte Prakriti Jan Gunan Karanam Gunasangosya Sarasat Yoni Janmasu. The living entity in material nature thus follows the ways of life, enjoying the three modes of nature. This is due to his association with that material nature. Thus, he meets with good and evil among various species. Um, we, is it like okay to read a whole purport? We insist upon it. I insist because this is one of those purports where in the first paragraph... Well, I said, I insist upon it. Oh, you insist? I didn't say if you insist Oh, oh. Well, I do too. So. <laughs> in the first paragraph, Prabhupada completely encapsulates the situation in the material world. And in the second paragraph, he completely encapsulates how to get out of it. This verse is very important for an understanding of how the living entities transmigrate from one body to another. It is explained in the second chapter that the living entity is transmigrating from one body to another just as one changes dress. This change of dress is due to his attachment to material nature, material existence. Now, just see how Prabhupada now just turns that inside out. As long as he is captivated by this false manifestation, he has to continue transmigrating from one body to another. Due to his desire to lord it over material nature, he is put into such undesirable circumstances. Under the influence of material nature, under the influence of material desire, rather, the entity is born sometimes as a demigod, sometimes as a man, sometimes as a beast, as a bird, as a worm, as an aquatic, as a saintly man, as a bug. This is going on. 
and in all cases the living entity thinks himself to be the master of his circumstances, yet he is under the influence of material nature. How he is, now that's the situation. How he is put into such different bodies is explained here. It is due to association with the different modes of nature. Nature, as they say in America, nature. One has to say? nature. Okay. I must. Mm. Thank you. One has to rise, therefore, above the three modes, three material modes, and become situated in the transcendental position. This is called Krishna consciousness. There's an embedded verse there. Trigunya vishaya veda nistrigunya vavajuna. Become transcendental to the modes. This is called Krishna consciousness. Unless one is situated in Krishna consciousness, his material consciousness will oblige him to transfer from one body to another because he has material desires since time immemorial. But he has to change that conception. That change, this is probably one of the most important sentences in the whole of Prabhupada's books, that change can be affected only by hearing from authoritative sources. The best example is here. Arjuna is hearing the science of God from Krishna. The living entity, and this is, this is really the core of the answer to your question. It's a gradual process. The living entity if he submits to this hearing process, will lose his long-cherished desire to dominate material nature. And gradually and proportionately, as he reduces his long desire to dominate, he comes to enjoy spiritual happiness. In a Vedic mantra, it is said that as he becomes learned in association with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he proportionately relishes his eternal blissful life. That association with the Supreme Personality of Godhead begins with chanting the Holy Name. Hearing Srimad Bhagavatam, hearing Bhagavad Gita. Proportionately, gradually and proportionately, the disease goes away. I think I was watching a, a Vaisheshika Prabhu a couple of weeks ago and he talked about uh, time release capsules yes you have them in America you must have them in America because he talked about it well you, you you've got a cold and you get this little capsule and it's got different colored pillules in it white red green yellow and it says after three the first three hours the white one works then after that the red one works for another three hours and then so on and you have 12 hours of relief from the symptoms of your cold so this is, this is how the process works. Uh, we have an initial feel-good experience, and then uh, anatta nivriti begins to become an issue. Yes? But if we, if we become practiced in hearing, we become submissive to the hearing process. Just hearing this sound vibration, gradually, 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 things that bother us evaporate away.
Yes? And that's why Srila Prabhupada always used to say, now that you have come, don't go away. Sadhu Vrindavan, do you still have a mic? Yes, Marge. Can you say back in three sentences the essence of what he just answered you? Prabhu said um, to take it slow, it's a process. And in the purport, it also said that um, it's a, it, you, you, uh, you change you know, your desire to co dominate the material world by uh, hearing from the authorita authoritative service and do, doing what they're, um, they t tell you to do. Bravo. Bravissimo. Sadhu, sadhu. And now somebody 25 or under, please give uh, the main points that we've talked about from today, or you can share it with friends from the research department. Give main points. Anything you heard so far? Any main point? Any minor point? <laughs> By maintaining a healthy level of fear of Maya and taking complete shelter under Krishna, uh, one can act in a very Krishna conscious way in their material and spiritual lives in a way that's pleasing to Krishna. We'll take it. <laughs> Lightning round, go quick. Everyone give something. Work with me, people. Put some more mics over here so they don't get keep past that. Oh, good, Mart. Uh, the ISV, I feel like we're very blessed to have a lot of great association. I was remembering the point that Prabhu made that, or I think uh, you mentioned that what Ramananda Roy Prabhu, um, Ramananda Roy said to Jaitanya Mahaprabhu is that the greatest thing that we can lose is uh, great association. I feel like we should take advantage of all this association we have. Sadhu, sadhu. Three more. And then, oh, Balaram. Is this the genius, Balaram? Oh. Many of the points today um, concluded with that in order to either gain the personal association of the Lord or to perform devotional service, one must start by chanting the holy name. And that's um, how everything, el everything else will follow after that. Bravo. Salve, <laughs> salve. Two more. Vantika. I like the part in the purport we read which said that a devotee sees anything good or anything bad as Krishna's mercy and always just thinks about Krishna no matter any situation they're in. Kind of answers your question from yesterday too, right? Bravo. Bravo. Okay, one more. In the beginning we talked about karma and um, we also talked about how when we're in Krishna consciousness, if we just depend fully on Krishna, we don't have to worry about the past. Although the past may like not, the past may still remember us as long as we're under Krishna's shelter. It doesn't matter. Haribo. Okay. Now uh, we have just a few more minutes for some chanting, and then His Holiness Indrajit Maharaj has uh, some announcement to make at five minutes till. So let's start. A little kirtan taking us all the way to China.
I'd like to thank Bhagavad Ashraya Prabhu for coming here to ISV. Anybody who wants him to come back, please clap him. Seventy Hari Bowls is not bad. I actually, I'm here on a pilgrimage to to be with you all. You, this yatra is uh, is a shining light in in the constellation of yatras of Iskon. What is what has transpired and is transpiring here is an inspiration to the world. So. Uh, the, the the privilege and the honor of coming here is uh, something that I uh, I feel very deeply, and I'm 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 very grateful to Vaisheshi Kapoor and Mother Nirakula for uh, just being my friends for so long and and giving me service uh, in relationship to their service. Uh, so thank you all for for such a warm welcome. And I do pray that I can return. And I have to go quickly today because I promised to do a program in Bhakti SF. But I do want to come again and, and get to know all of you. Thank you so much. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare.
Please make a pathway for this only Senator Junior Maharaj. About 10 days ago, early in the morning, I got a phone call from Maharaj, and it was a very mysterious phone call <laughs> to start. He let us know then, he let me know that he was coming here today, and that uh, he had a surprise. <laughs> that he had a surprise for my husband. I wasn't to give a hint, I wasn't to tell him anything, so. Surprise! <laughs> Thank you. So I'd like to have everyone's complete attention. I know we've had um, some nice uh, philosophical discussions, but I'd like to share some nectar uh, with all of you. In the um, Upandesha Rita, we hear um, Rupa Goswami say that devotees, they have six loving exchanges by which they develop their love for each other, for the spiritual master, and for Krishna. Now, Tam Das Thakur says, Hari Guru Vaishnava Bhagavata Gita. And one of those loving exchanges is exchanging gifts. Um, someone gives a gift and someone receives it. Another way is to um, reveal your mind, something Krishna conscious, and the other person listens and becomes enlivened. And the other is, um, you cook prasadam and someone takes your prasadam and eats it. First Krishna, and then you. <laughs> so today I would like to offer a um, very, 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 very special gift. Actually, a, a number of gifts to my dear Godbrother, Vaisheshika Prabhu. In Nectar of Devotion, um, Rupa Goswami says that when you offer a gift, it should have some value. It should have some deep meaning. It, it should be something you're attached to. You know, when you give it, it hurts a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but in doing so, you're demonstrating your affection and your, your love for that, that person. So over the years, in my Krishna conscious career, which uh, has expanded now to 51 years. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in, in India uh, these days, um, in Vrindavan and other places as well. It was one of the perks of the pandemic that uh, I was stuck in India. <laughs> and um, I have been gifted many valuable things myself from um, various illustrious personalities, um, different sadhus, different temples, different priests, etc. And I've always been taught to uh, share. When I was um, young, my parents, I was the eldest, and then there was my brother, then it was my sister. So to set a good example, my father said, whatever you get, you divide it in three parts. Now that's not easy with your siblings as you grow up. Whatever was food or a gift or money <laughs> or a trip somewhere, it was always the three of us. And then when I joined the Christian Conscious Movement, I also learned that we should share our good fortune. Because by sharing our good fortune, Krishna blesses us with more good fortune. So today I have these very, very, very special gifts, unique in the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, unique on this earth planet, these are gifts that even the devatas will be jealous with when he gets them. 
And I'm, I'm not exaggerating. And I don't think they'll be jealous. I think they'll be very proud of Vaisheshika Prabhu. They'll think that, yes, he is the person who deserves these gifts. Um, I think they'll think like that because we all know the amazing service that he's done in his 50 years, something like that, 48, 40, yeah, huh? Next year's 50. Next year's 50. Give him a big round of applause. <laughs> Everyone knows in our movement and, and beyond in other spiritual organizations what he's done to spread, let us use a general term, Vedic culture around the world following in the footsteps of our spiritual master, Sridhar Prabhupada, particularly according to the desires of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the Yuga Avatar, and our Acharyas, and Sridhar Prabhupada in particular, by fulfilling Mahaprabhu's instructions to distribute this holy name to every town and village, specifically in the way that Sridhar Prabhupada envisioned it. He said very clearly, distribute books, distribute books, distribute books. This is something that's on the tip of the tongue of every devotee in ISV. Not only that, he's expanding it here, but he's expanding it in Europe and Australasia, Russia, Canada, South America. This is a truly empowered devotee. This he did in the past, this he's doing now, and may Lord Krishna grant him a long life that he continue to do this for many, many years to come, because it is the greatest gift the world can receive, spiritual welfare. He's the great general who's doing the desire of Sri Prabhupada and distributing books everywhere in the world. Nice. <laughs> so you will see that the gifts that I got that I split into, because <laughs> I have many godbrothers who are also contributing to the Sankirtan movement. But you know, there's some, I would say, you know, near and dear. Although we haven't spent a lot of time together, you know, we think alike, we do things alike, we have the same heart which was created by Sridhar Prabhupada. So I have so much um, affection for Vashashika Prabhu and so much amazement at what he's doing. He inspires me and my particular services as well. So I'm very happy to share the following gifts with him. Hold on to your seats. <laughs> a few of them are going to keep confidential. I have to tell them in the back because it's just quite extraordinary. But listen to these particular gifts. Um, a couple of months ago in Vrindavan, I was invited to a, a particular temple. I'd heard about it. I'd been invited before, but I'd never had the opportunity to go. It's a temple that is run by the, um, those in the disciplic succession of Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami. I'd heard about this temple because I'm doing a lot of work in the uh, Vrindavan Research Institute, which is a prestigious organization that has over 33,000 Vedic scriptures, ancient scriptures, in particular the works of our Goswamis, Vishwanath Chagavati Thakur, 
many of the great devotees. For many years it was offhands, no one could go there, just scholars, but recently they opened it up. They invited me to come in for whatever reason and help them uh, digitize the books and um, uh, make the books uh, safe from the bugs and the time elements, etc. So I'm working closely. I so I saw Bhakti Ras and Mita Sindhu with my own eyes, the original copy written by um, uh, Rupa Goswami. I saw Prartana by Naratam Das Thakur, one of my heroes. I held it in my hands. It was literally falling apart because of age and lack of attention. But I saw that. I saw many books like that. So I asked, do you have Chaitanya Charitamrita? He said, no, but there's this one temple in Vrindavan that we're sure they have the authorized original version of um, Anchilila, uh, the last two chapters of Anchilila. It's known by all the scholars in India and everywhere. He said, if you ever get a chance, you can go there. Maybe they bring it out once or twice a year. Try to go on the right date. Anyway, my mind was, I want to go see. So I went with the Kirtan party. And it was a very old temple in an alleyway, some dark part of Vrindavan, you know, shadow. And I, we went in and we had this Kirtan for three hours. In the old days, we called them Whopper Stompers. <laughs> it was an amazing Kirtan. And all the, uh, the sadhus that lived there, they were kind of against the wall looking like this. One by one, we dragged them in. <laughs> and they danced, and they danced, and they danced. And even though Mahant, he was into 90 years old. Oh, oh Jai Go, Jai Thai, Jai Ho, 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 So it was an amazing kirtan. So afterwards, he whispered in my ear, Maraj, would you like to see the original copy of Anchilila Chaitanya Chaitanya? I went, yes! <laughs> So he took us upstairs, winding stairs, and they had this uh, box with locks on it, and they unlocked it, and then there was another box, and another box, and another box, and then suddenly there it was, looking exactly like the same 500-year-old scriptures that I had seen in Vrindavan Research Institute. And I was literally shaking. He was also, because it wasn't the time of year they pull it out. But he, he pulled it out like this, took the parchment, he pulled it up, I saw the writing very clearly, and he just nicked a little bit of the corner of the box, and a piece fell off. And I looked at him. <laughs> this would make a great movie. He looked at me, and I went. <laughs> so he said, okay, you're a disciple of Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Samishita Prabhupada. You people are distributing Chaitanya Chaitanya all around the world. Here's this piece. He picked up and he gave it to me. The original. <laughs> for a book distributor, I also did books, not, not as long as <laughs> I did for 11 years, but that meant so much to me. To have that original parchment that was, you know, that, that Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami wrote. So, I cut it in half, and I'm giving it to Vaisheshika Prabhu, the second half of that. Chaitanya Charitamrita Anju Leela, uh, the last two chapters. I don't know if it's chapter one or chapter two, but I'm going to give half of that gift. I'm going to share it with Vaisheshika Prabhu. <laughs> Not over. 
I also have a good friend who's, ta who's taken care of many of the remnants that were kept by uh, Srila Jiva Goswami. He was custodian to many important artifacts of um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, other Goswamis, Janavamata, etc. This uh, temple um, that, that I visit, near to Radhadamadar temple, a good friend of mine, Anup Goswami, he has um, the uh, original beads of Srila Jiva Goswami. He's very particular to let anyone see them because they're also very, very, very old. I actually had the chance once to, to chant on them like this. And as I was chanting on them, a little piece of the, one of the beads fell off. And I looked at Goswami. <laughs> and Goswami looked at me. And I prayed to Srila Jiva Goswami, just please, just let me have that mercy. And my, I promise you my japa will improve. <laughs> And my heart will become clean, and I'll do my best to preach your glories and what you've written all around the world. So there was a pause, and then Goswami picked it up. He said, okay, you can have this little piece of Jiva Goswami's Japa beads. They're big beads. So today, in honor of the service that he's done and he will do in his lifetime, I'm giving him half of that piece of the bead. I was recently uh, in, uh, what was that state we were in? That, uh, no, before Jarakhan. Gaya. I was in Gaya. And uh, there's many beautiful holy places in Gaya, but one interesting place I visited was the tree that Lord Buddha uh, got enlightened under. He was a prince and he left home, he became a renunciate. 48 days he meditated under this tree. The tree is still there. There's Buddhist monks from all over India. They live there. There's many beautiful shrines and samadhis, etc. And uh, the original tree is there. And I asked one of the Buddhist, uh, you know, Mahants, I said, can I have a little piece of the tree? He said, no. <laughs> like, that doesn't happen to me. <laughs> so as, as I'm sitting there, boing, <laughs> a berry, a berry drops off the tree onto my head, onto the floor, and I look at the monkey and say, all right, take it. <laughs> so I'm giving him half the berry. It's a long story, we don't have time now, but uh, there's another banyan tree in Gaia during um, the time that uh, Sitaram and Lakshman were in the forest, they stayed at Gaya. There's a particular pastime where Sita Devi um, blessed a banyan tree to be immortal, to never die. That banyan tree is so large, it extends for, you just can't even see how long, you know, the trees go up and down like that, banyan trees. That tree is still existing. And we were there with one of the Pujaris who does Arctic to it every day. And I said, can I take a little piece of this immortal banyan tree? He said, yep. <laughs> oh, wow, that was easy. So he broke off a little piece of that ancient tree. I'll, I'll tell Vice the story later, but um, I'm giving him half of the piece of the immortal banyan tree blessed by Mother Sita. <laughs> 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 
We also uh, went to the Jari Kund forest because I wanted to see if, you know, when I chanted Hare Krishna, if the lions would also <laughs> chant, the, the tigers, but uh, they ran after us, so I didn't. <laughs> but it's still a wild place, <laughs> the Jari Kund forest. And there's a place where that, that uh, famous kirtan took place, where Balabhadra Bhattacharya and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they, well, Mahaprabhu chanted, and the tigers came, and the deer came, and the rabbits came, and the squirrels came, and the butterflies came, they all came, and with, by the potency of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they all chanted Hare Krishna audibly like this, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Na. And to demonstrate the potency of the holy name so that we would have faith to chant Hare Krishna in this age of Kali, those animals, every single one of them, attained prema, the highest stage of prema. They all started crying. They gave up their envious nature. The tigers were embracing the deer. The deer were embracing the tigers. The elephants were embracing the butterflies. I don't know. But it was this amazing scene. And because it was so ecstatic, even inanimate objects melted in ecstasy, like the ground. The ground melted in ecstasy. As a result, we have all these footprints of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. His footprints are there. He was big, seven feet tall. His feet were this big. They're embedded in the stone. The elephant's feet are embedded in the stone. The tigers and the deer are right next to each other. You could, they're, they're all mixed like this, like they were dancing together. It goes on for two kilometers. So Srila Shanantan Goswami, he went there twice to, to just be in that place where this kirtan took place, and he wanted to embrace the footprints of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He went two times to embrace those footprints, and I embraced those footprints too. And just next to me as I was moving, a little piece of one of the footprints broke off. There was nobody to ask. I took it from that special place where that immortal kirtan took place, demonstrating the power of the holy name. I have a little piece of one of the footprints I'm giving half to Vaisheshika. It wasn't easy to get there. I don't think any of you will make it. Uh, it's very dangerous, but we, we didn't go there. Um, some years ago when I was in uh, Radhakund, there's the home of uh, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur there where he stayed when he went to Radhakund. And uh, his son, Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, would also stay there. And the shoes of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur are still there being worshipped by members of the Gaudiya Moth. Many years ago when I was there, the Pujari gave me a small piece of the shoe of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, who gave the instruction to Prabhupada, if you ever get money, print books. I'm giving half of that piece to Rajeshwara. <laughs> One of the intimate associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was Madhu Pandit. Madhu Pandit was not one of the six Goswamis, but he was very dear to Mahaprabhu because Madhu Pandit is the one who found the deity of Gopinath, very beautiful deity of Radha Gopinath. The deity was worshipped in Vrindavan for some time, but then when Aurangzeb attacked Vrindavan to destroy Vrindavan, many deities were moved slowly to Jaipur, and Gopinath was one of those deities who's still being worshipped in, 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 uh, in Jaipur, Gopinath. So his, the person who found him and who was the Pujari was Madhu Pandit. 
excellent pujari, very famous, rasik, bhakta, and he was famous that he had a coat made of tiny uh, tulsi beads, about this big, and it was sewed together in such a beautiful way. It's a full, full-length coat, and a tulsi hat, you know, full on, it's just tulsi beads, and that was being stored in the, in the Gopinath temple in Jayapur for, what, 300 years since um, Aurangzeb attacked. It was there, it's in a little cubby hole there. So I came and Madhupanda is one of my heroes. He, he was a close associate of Mahaprabhu. So I offered to build a shrine in Madhupanda's honor, you know, with different uh, quotes from the scriptures about him in the walls of that shrine and a beautiful painting of him discovering the Gopinatha deity and the coat. The coat was deteriorating after so many years, 500 years. So we put the coat in this bulletproof box <laughs> that nobody can break into, you know, such a treasure from the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And I was allowed by the Pujaris to carry that coat you know, my hands were shaking. I carried that coat and I put it into the box. And as I put it in, the string that was attached to the coat, it got stuck on my finger. It had four or five beads of that Tulsi coat on it. I'm giving two of them, three of them to Vashashika. There's three other things that we will tell you in confidence. This looks like too deep and too amazing. Nobody will believe it. But to begin with, here's the, my card to you. You can open up and read it to everybody because we love you. <laughs> and all that you do for everyone. I don't know if this is fair for me to read the card. From morning first light to evening's last star. Remember, remember how special you are. Dearest Vaisheshika Prabhu, when giving a gift, we are taught to give something that is valuable and most dear to us, so as to show our genuine love and appreciation to the one receiving the gift. The items in this kavacha are some of the greatest and dearest treasures in my life. Your servant, Indra Swami. It's opulent Kavacha. But the opulence inside far outdoes the opulence of the kavacha. And please, although it's very beautiful and just gorgeous, he's very shy, actually. I know why she's allow him to wear it at all times in front of you and the world to show how much we and our disciplic succession appreciate the service that he's doing. Now, yeah. <laughs> Don't <laughs> 
I told you. Twenty-two carat. Pardon me? What did she say? Oh, Krishna. Oh, my God. And? Well, when I just got embraced by Maharaj, I was feeling that I didn't want to let him go. That's actually how I felt, because you're in the business wholesale of uplifting me. You have throughout our lives. At intervals, you check in and pull me back up again. But this is ridiculous. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's um, the result of your f complete absorption in Lord Chaitanya's pastimes. And I saw it when we stayed on the roof together in Govardhan. I think it was 2001, maybe. Every day you'd go off somewhere and something amazing would happen because... You're actually living in those pastimes. And as a loving exchange, this is uh, something that will sustain me the rest of my life, make me at least start considering to become serious in Krishna consciousness. I'm feeling it already. And that, uh, to be To be in your uh, company and to to feel your <clears throat> didati pratyaganati is absolutely what I needed to stay fixed in Krishna consciousness. And I'm deeply touched. I couldn't be more deeply touched by your friendship and your the loving way in which you always. In, 
encourage everyone, but especially me. Hare Krishna. Side, you can tw twist it, it opens up, but that's just in case you want to put something else in. You know? okay. we, we sealed everything. You know how they, with a piece of wood, we did a, like a, a plastic seal over so it never get damaged by water or weather and stay like that forever. But they're all little pieces like that, uh, protected. And this is about the books. Uh, look at this one. Should I say something? I don't know. I didn't want to know. Too much. Yes, yeah, the institute. Well, they gave it to us. It's the same thing. I was holding the books, and they said, "Okay, you can take it." But I didn't want to advertise it. Okay. But the Russian the singles, the originals there, and parts on parts on probably seeing. He's just telling me about the other gifts, <laughs> which can't be mentioned in public, and I'm I'm for once speechless. <laughs> Hare Krishna. I don't know, it doesn't seem like no, no. later then. Yeah. We brought a gift for you, but it's not going to work right now. <laughs> but that's how you move in the world. <laughs> Maharaj, it, it, it's, it's such a delight to receive this and to, to have this exchange, and I'll never forget it in any lifetime. And so I'll have this by me always, my heart and mind, and... Uh, hopefully carry me to wherever you are so we can serve together a f another round in Prabhupada's uh, service. Um, we first met in uh, New Mayapur, actually, and I was just there and I was joyful the whole time because I kept telling everyone, I met Indra Dunamaraj here <laughs> for the first time in the Pajari room. We encountered each other for the first time. He came and said, hey, what are you doing? I was in there doing puja and we started a conversation and from then, uh, from that day when I saw him, I uh, always look forward to seeing you again and again and again and again. And every time it's been in these kinds of circumstances, uh, when... For me, just to see you from a distance, you know, going to Japan and going to England, having these seminars, you know, just as the pandemic ended, you were the first one out the door. And as a result, millions of books have been distributed because of this great general in Prabhupada's army. So you actually deserve these things more than me. And I'm very happy to share them with you. You are even more closer as brothers now because we have the same cherished things close to our heart. I also have a kavacha like that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I definitely feel like now I have something to live up to. And, I mean, as I was just writing a card to you, I was appreciating, as I said, and just that you're walking the earth. We feel it, and I feel it all the time. And everywhere you go, Krishna consciousness sprouts up. Because the books are there. when a Vaishnava's there, then everything becomes possible. Dear Srila Prabhupada, dear Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Shri Sri Panchatapha, Shri Sri Gornitai, Shri Sri Radhamanan Mohan, Shri Sri Lakshmi Nishingadev, if you so desire, please always 
give us the good fortune of being in the association of His Holiness Indradum Namaraj, following his footsteps to enthusiastically spread the Sankirtan movement all over the world. Please always let me be in his loving embrace and all of us follow in his footsteps to the best of our ability. Thank you for considering our request. Om Tat Sat. Everyone who agrees with this prayer in part or in whole, please say Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna! Gaur Premanande Harivar!